Hey, welcome to a pro wrestling podcast with Matt and friends. I am here with my friend Justin. Uh, this is our first, well, my first video podcast. Justin, welcome back. Uh, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. No, I'm glad, man. I'm glad that uh, you're actually the first guest on this video with me. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, you know, I got my IC title here, sporting this, you know. Very nice. Um, got a new title belt on the way, so I'm looking forward to that shit. North American title coming home, bro. That's a beautiful championship. Oh, I love it, man. I think it's great. A lot of some people actually hate it. I think it's fantastic, so I can't complain. Um, but yeah, man. Um, I know last time I had you on here, we talked a little bit of about a Royal Rumble prediction show. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think you called every single match except the women's tag team championship match. I was so off of all of these matches. I uh, I got the men's and the women's rumble so wrong. I had Bailey for the Women's Rumble, and I was so – and I saw Bianca won, and I was like, WWE, you did it again. You did it again. Uh, well, I think you kind of called that, though. I think you kind of mentioned you thought Bianca might have a shot of winning, too. So Yeah. I, just, I don't I think just didn't you want it to be a repeat of last year where the favorite didn't win, and I didn't want to be in that boat again. It's all good, man. I mean, you did a pretty decent job. You did better than I did at calling that shit. So, I mean, (laughs) kudos to you, man. I had Alexa Bliss win in the Royal Rumble, and her ass got thrown out right away. So, (laughs) Uh, you know, you can't can't, uh, win them all, I guess. But it was a pretty good card. I mean, what did you think about the card? You thought it was pretty good? I was really surprised. I thought it would fall a little short because of – with the the shows without the crowd – you don't really know how much the crowd plays into the atmosphere and everything. And sometimes I get really disengaged, but the Royal Rumble kept me in. And to my surprise, I was pleasantly surprised with the Royal Rumble without the crowd. I thought it'd be a failure or a bummer, but the whole car was pretty fantastic. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty interesting too, especially, you know, the surprises, the Christian thing coming out. I mean, that was awesome to me. And the audience not being there kind of sucked. I mean, you could kind of hear the cheers a little bit from the Thunderdome. It doesn't give it that big of a feel as a live crowd, um, but it's better than nothing. Uh, but I thought it was pretty solid, man. I got really excited about Christian. I thought the, you know, people coming back, it, it just, it felt better than I thought it would. Like you said, I mean, with no crowd being there, it's kind of rough sometimes, but we did it for WrestleMania last year and to me wrestlemania was a pretty solid two-day card um you know without a crowd i mean it sucked a little bit without that live chair you know the monday night raw afterwards obviously you know it wasn't the same but it was still cool i mean i still enjoyed it it was i it's not a lot of times that i get out of my seats and just like totally shocked by a royal rumble entrance but I got to say, Christian and Victoria, I, I marked out so hard. I was, I was, uh, I was so, I, I, if you would give me 10 guesses, a hundred guesses, I wouldn't have guessed that they would be there. And I wouldn't have guessed that Tori Wilson made it back to the women's rumble. I was like, geez, her again. Oh, and Jillian Hall. 
Jillian Hall, Victoria Christian, I marked out for. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned Jillian Hall because uh, I was talking, I did a podcast like uh, two days after the Royal Rumble and the guy did it with, he actually runs another podcast uh, called The Full Nelson Press. And he was telling me that he didn't remember who Jillian Hall was. And a lot of people didn't remember Jillian Hall. Oh. But I remember Jillian Hall like it was nothing. I mean, how do you forget that? She had that nasty growth on her face, yeah. you know, until the boogeyman ate that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, that no, was cool. Man. Watch that. Idol, I think, too. What's up? I think the, when they had Raw Idol or something like that, she was on it. And uh, I I get how people would miss it because it was a it was pretty bad during that time. But if you were watching it, yeah. you remember Jillian Hall. Absolutely. And you know what? Here's the thing. Jillian Hall was there for a few years. I mean, Victoria wasn't even there that long. Yeah. People remember her. She left a mark. But – Here's the thing. How do you not remember somebody with a nasty-ass thing on their face? <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to forget that. But, I mean, no, dude, I didn't mind Jillian. I thought seeing her was pretty cool. You know, I wish Molina would have been there. That would have been cool. Um, you know, Tori Wilson, I think, still has it a little bit. I mean, she still has the looks, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, Victoria, Christian, I, I did the same thing, man. I marked out Christian especially. <laughs> Um, you know, here's, here's the thing with Christian, man. And, and it's crazy. Cause a lot of people are like, yeah, Christian, you know, but to me, Christian was fantastic. I, I think Christian was better in the ring than edge. Honestly. Yeah. Um, now hot the take. only difference was what's up. I think a lot of people would think that is a hot take, but if you saw him in TNA, you would not, you would not question that one bit. Oh no, not at all. I mean, former NWA world champion former TNA world champion, uh, you know, he had a solid run with Edge on, you know, WWE programming before, actually former tag team champions with Chris Jericho, you know, the dude, the dude was awesome. And, you know, yeah, he had a little weird face, you know, that sometimes he wanted to punch, you know, obviously Vince McMahon wasn't a fan of his face. <laughs> um, yo, can you, you still here, bro? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, because the video cut out, so um, I think you'll jump back in here eventually. But, um, yeah, no, so what I thought it was, man, you know, Christian, even when he won the world title back in, I think, 2011, right after Edge vacated it and he won in uh, the ladder match against Del Rio, um, you know, I still watch that video from time to time, and I still get goosebumps. You know, a lot of people don't look at it and say, like, oh, man, well, I don't know. Christian, former world champion. I don't see it. I mean, he, he you know, IC champion at best. But here's, here's the deal. Christian worked his ass off. And, you know, a lot of people can argue why wasn't Matt Hardy ever world champion? Why wasn't, you know. But Matt Hardy, in my opinion, either he was lacking something. Always. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from him because he was an incredible wrestler. There was always something just missing. And I don't think they would have ever made Christian world champion if Edge didn't retire. Oh, no. Most definitely not. I mean, I see I see a Alberto Del Rio regaining that championship from Edge. That's how I would have seen it. 
But the fact that he lost the title because he had to vacate it, who are you going to give it to? You're going to give it to his quote-unquote storyline brother. And it was a feel-good moment, man. I Like I said, I still get chills from it. Uh, it was it was incre- it was weird to see because you know Christian never seemed like the guy, and you know he had his run with the ECW World Title, and I think that solidified him as not being the guy because they threw that belt on him. But yeah, you know, he came back, and you you probably wouldn't have guessed it. Like I I agree that if Edge didn't go out, then Christian wouldn't wouldn't be in that wouldn't be in that spot. But thank. Almost thank God Edge did go out, but hey, uh, I guess I guess it all worked out in the end because now Edge is back, back on top. Absolutely, and I, you know what, rumors been going around that he's supposed to feud with Roman Reigns going into WrestleMania. I I would like to see that. I think it would be pretty cool. But here's the deal: when he came out on NXT on Wednesday last week, I was like, all right, you know what? If he went head to head against Finn or Pete Dunne, and, and I'm not saying. You know, I don't think he will. I, I, I think he will go against Roman, obviously, um, because the styles are different. Pete Dunne and Finn Balor are way different in that ring compared to a guy like Roman Reigns. You know, Roman could do a quick match like that, and people wouldn't blink an eye. Pete Dunne does a quick match. They're like, yeah, dude, you wasted Pete Dunne. Are you <laughs> wasted Finn Balor? You're but I would like to see it. I think it'd be pretty cool. I mean, to watch Finn or watch Pete at WrestleMania, I think it'd be pretty solid. But I don't think against Edge. Yeah, especially. But with, um, I don't think they'll give the the NXT uh, championship that big of a spotlight. I think uh, last year they had a they had a they had a nice run, but I don't think they'll give it to them two years in a row. Yeah, I see that too. I mean. Charlotte going back, winning that women's championship. I mean, it was cool because it gave gave them a bigger bigger stand, um, a bigger stage. You know, showcase their talent on WrestleMania. I mean, why not? You got a two day card, showcase it a little. Definitely. You know, people people talk about how NXT isn't a developmental; it's a third brand. Well, showcase it like it's a third brand. Yeah, You know, and that's why I think a lot more people watch AEW on Wednesdays than NXT because they don't treat NXT like a third brand, even though they say it's a third brand. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I see Edge, um, you know, coming into WrestleMania. I see him winning the championship um, at the end of it. And even though Roman's at the hottest peak in his career right now, hottest point of his career, I, I, I see Edge winning it, and the only reason being is because of his story. Yeah, there is. I don't think I don't think you you go through all this and not have Edge win the win the win the belt. Like he's got. To I don't win. either, man. I don't either. And you know what, Roman right now in his career doesn't need the championship. Yeah, he could be fine without it. And you know what, have him win it right back. Edge just needs to to win it, just to lose it. At a regular in a regular match, not vacate it, but to lose it in a match. Yeah. And then if he was done after that, then he's done. I think it. Uh, but I don't know, man. I don't see it. I don't see it um, not going full circle for him. Yeah. 
But uh, no, we've seen some cool stuff. I mean, there was one part of the Royal Rumble that I talked about before um, that I actually completely hated. And a lot of people have actually pointed it out um, during the Roman and Kevin Owens match. Uh, there was a part where a second ref came out. And I don't know if you caught that, but the ref started counting. And then he stopped mid-count for no reason at all. And it was just so weird because, you know what, Roman was down at least for 30 seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, at this point, you should have capitalized on it and you should have just let Kevin win the title and then have something happen where Roman gets it right back. Because you obviously just made your product look so stupid by doing something like that. Because you got to five and then just stopped counting. Did you catch that? Yeah, that, I think that was a uh, – it bothered me, but it didn't bother me as much as it would have. Because I think it's just usual WWE logic, just shenanigans that – just don't make sense but it kind of does make sense because it they've done weirder they've done odder things so i think it really it bothered me but it really didn't uh get to me that much i was like uh this uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i get that man i see that i i you know it is typical wwe um yeah, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and we were talking about how a lot of people have been going on saying how Roman and Kevin stole the whole thing, the idea of Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara from AEW, uh, the golf cart thing. And uh, I was laughing because if you watch the clips, Sammy Guevara was running from the golf cart. So he didn't get full fl- full fronted hit by that golf cart like Roman Re- or uh, Kevin Owens did. Kevin Owens was standing still and got his ass ran over. So, I mean, it was a little different. Yeah, I guess they were using the same car, but it was a little different. I mean, Sammy was running from the golf cart. Kevin just stood there and got smashed. <laughs> um, but we were laughing because I was like, you know, it's just crazy to me because, you know, no matter what, wrestling is going to steal ideas from each other. Yeah. But seeing Matt Hardy do that wasn't like the first time we ever seen a golf cart get introduced into wrestling. You know, you could say Matt Hardy stole the golf cart idea from when Jinder Mahal decided to drive a golf cart and pin our truth for the 24-7 championship. I mean, you you could literally say anything happened, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, it really is. And, and wrestling is wrestling. Either you enjoy it or you bitch about it. And, you know, I love wrestling. I, I do. There, There's parts that annoy the shit out of me, just like any fan for sure. But... You know, you can't say you steal ideas because there's people before you that have t- done those ideas. You know, I just I don't know. It's it's very shitty for people to complain about wrestling. Just watch it. Yeah, it's like you you see all these people say that they got it from here and they got it from here. But it's like if you have ever taken the time to listen to just five minutes of Jim Cornette talk, he'll tell you how. Everybody that they're talking about on Twitter got it from somewhere in the territories or from Memphis or from tennis or from Memphis or something like that. So I think it's like we can all say that somebody somebody got it from somebody, but we're probably wrong anyway. So it doesn't even really matter. Oh, absolutely. 
But yeah, no, I just thought that was funny. I mean, you know, people people complaining about that shit, but wrestling's been around for far too long, far too long. And, you know, I'm hoping it goes on for even farther. But, um, you know, like like you said, I mean, people could say, oh, I got it from this way or from this person, you know, but it always comes from something else. And that comes from something else. And, you know, you've seen shit like this on television. You've seen stuff like, so you can't say, oh, Matt Hardy coined that idea. Yeah. Because there's been stupid stunts where people run over each other with golf carts before. And it could have been a movie. It could have been a comedy sketch. It could have been something on Mad TV or Key and Peele or some shit, you know? <laughs> like, it, it's just, you can't say you got the idea. You created it in your head because it obviously inspired, got inspired by something else. Yeah. You know? But before I continue on that, you know, <laughs> uh, last night we had Monday Night Raw. We had some fun stuff on Raw last night. Um, they announced an Elimination Chamber match. Um, for the WWE Championship, which I seen happening. Obviously, I didn't see them doing it with the participants that they had, except for like two of them. Um, I seen Orton in it. I seen Sheamus in it. I did not see Jeff. I did not see Miz. AJ was like fifty fifty. Um, but do you see Drew retaining the title? I am not sure because I think they'll try to take it off with Drew without him being pinned, but he'd, he'd have to be pinned to be eliminated from the Elimination Chamber. And I see Edge and, Edge and Orton at, at Mania for the title, but I think right now he'll make it out of the Chamber. I think, I think he'll make it out of the Chamber. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I know for a while they talked about Orton Edge for the championship at Mania, and then Edge came back and they started spiraling rumors about, oh, he's going to fight Roman. But the thing is, is I think at this point, because I think they're slowly starting to fade off of the Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton thing. Who knows if they're going to continue with it. But if they go back to it within a week or two or whatever, after Elimination Chamber, whatever you want to do, they go back to it. It's going to be Orton versus Wyatt at WrestleMania. I don't see them doing it at Fastlane and then calling it a day. You know, I, I see them doing that match at Mania in some kind of a weird aspect way, like a Firefly Funhouse match like they did with Cena last year. Have Orton come out, you know, where he originally debuted and then in the evolution gimmick, like, you know, <laughs> change it up. You know, we've seen Cena do the same thing last year where he came out with the ruthless aggression, you know, uh-huh. You know, it'd be kind of cool to see that with Orton. I mean, I don't see how far you could go because I don't think Orton's really changed that much. But, um, <laughs> you know, more ruthless, I guess. It's but... just him with different haircuts. Yeah, <laughs> and more tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, man, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't see them erasing tattoos for sure, you know. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, shit happens. They got cinematics and stuff going on so they could – maybe work something, but, um, no, it's been really cool with that. Um, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, I mean, WrestleMania is still a couple months away. Um, edge is yet to make his decision. Bianca's yet to make her decision. Um, but yeah, they opened Monday night raw yesterday with Shane McMahon coming back and have him and Adam Pierce announcing that match. Um, and you kind of seen backstage throughout the night, Drew McIntyre was pissed cause he wanted Seamus one-on-one. 
Sheamus was pissed because he wanted McIntyre one-on-one. And now all of a sudden they got a chamber match that they have to go through. But, you know, I see them going one-on-one at Fastlane in March. Um, I obviously see Drew retaining it over Sheamus one-on-one right now. I don't see him losing it until after WrestleMania. Um, You know, I don't see him losing it until they're about ready to get back to a crowd so they could give him the championship back in front of a crowd. Yeah. Um, You know, that was a title reign that needed a crowd for sure. And they didn't have it. But I think them taking the title off Drew right now, I think would be a bad decision, especially because he is on a momentum ride. I don't think he's going to lose that. You know, not yet at least. I don't see him losing it. I thought it was... I mean, you agree? I agree. I just can't... I think these two are capable of putting on a a great match, but I cannot for the life of me get into this this feud because I don't think they've built up this friendship enough. Like, they, they uh, I think they opened Raw and, like, well... Either they opened Raw hat or somewhere in the beginning had this heartfelt, beautiful uh, promo package put together about their friendship. But I feel like, yeah, they've been friends behind the scenes, but they they haven't interacted that much lately on TV, I think, together. I think if they put them together six months ago as a team or they won the tag belts, I think it could be at least a little better, but I think, uh, yeah, like you said, I think if they went at it, Drew's Drew's making out of that a hundred percent. Oh yeah, and that like like you just said, I mean, they've never ever been a team until about two months ago or a month ago when all of a sudden he's like, yeah, this is my best friend, and I'm like, <laughs> oh okay, that's cool. I mean, Sheamus showed on the bump after McIntyre won the title after WrestleMania last year um, that he was like, yeah, me and Drew go long back, oh, way back. You know, we've been best friends, and uh, he's one of my best friends, so congrats, you know. But we never seen it on TV, so we didn't – until then, I didn't know they were co- close friends, yeah. you know. And then they started bringing it up more recently where they're like, yeah, we're best friends. And then the pictures they showed last night – during that package, um, you know, from years ago and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, shit, they were friends. Like, <laughs> that's not a storyline. Like, okay, I see it. I see, I see it, you know. It, it was cool. I thought it was a cool thing, you know. And I would have liked, like you said, I would have liked to see them win the tag titles or something, you know, build from there. But you had Sheamus teaming with Drew for a second, then teaming with Keith Lee, and then Keith Lee teaming with Drew. Like, they they didn't have a direction for this. And then all of a sudden, Sheamus comes out after WrestleMania and is like, or not WrestleMania, or Royal Rumble, and he's like, yo, well, I'm going to bro kick you in the face. Like, <laughs> you know, they didn't have any build. And we all knew coming into this, Sheamus was going to turn on Drew. Yeah. Everybody could have seen it. You know, Helen Keller could have seen it. <laughs> That's rough, man. <laughs> I'm going to hell for sure. But, um, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, dude, anybody could have seen that shit coming. I mean, Sheamus isn't a face. He's a heel. And you can't say, oh, this is my best friend and not want to go for his world championship. It doesn't work like that. Um, but, yeah, no, we had that happen yesterday. And then I think after that, right after that, they had that whole thing with Charlotte and Lacey Evans right after. 
Was it right after? I don't remember. I think uh, after the after the opening promo with Shane, they went right into a match with AJ and uh, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, that was it. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting too because with Jeff Hardy, I mean, they kind of sold the leg injury in that match a little bit, you know, and they're like, you know, Jeff Hardy's been injured with that leg injury for months. And I'm like, he has, <laughs> you know, since when? Like he didn't well, sell it, you know. He's been fine. He's acting fine. You know, maybe he's just getting tired of Elias, you know, but it was it was interesting to see. I mean, we've seen AJ Styles win with his calf crusher submission move. Um, we've seen a couple of things that him t- taking advantage of Jeff Hardy's leg, um, the chop block by the announce table. It was it was a cool, cool match. I mean. It's funny because uh, during that, uh, Impact Wrestling posted a a video on their Twitter page. And it was about when Jeff Hardy originally, originally debuted in Impact, which was I think was in 2003, 2004, whatever. Um, He debuted against AJ Styles. And I don't know if you ever seen that, but he debuted against Styles. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Styles won. And they ended up teaming together for a little bit, Styles and Hardy. And, like, if you ever watch their stuff, man, you got to go back and watch it if you've never done it. But their matches together, they always have had good chemistry. And it sucks because now at their this stage of their career where their ages are at, they can't put on as great of matches as they did before because they were in their prime, they were quicker, stuff like that. So they're slowing down, but they can still go. So they could still put on a good match, and I thought it was a good match. You know, I that's one of those matches, AJ versus Jeff, that if they did it week to week and just put a little new twist on it each week, I wouldn't complain. Yeah. You know, they, they have good chemistry together. They build together. Uh, you know, if they put Matt Riddle and Keith Lee in the ring a couple more times, like, I'm cool with it too. They, they had great chemistry last night. That match I thought was pretty solid, hard-hitting. You know, we've seen a lot of offense from Matt Riddle throughout that match, Keith Lee playing the defense a little bit more, which was kind of a shock to me. But, you know, Keith Lee, it was good to see him back in the ring. It was good to see him get the W, you know. And it's cool to me to see Bobby Lashley doing this new thing, which they should have did this since he came back. He left Impact Wrestling as a beast. You should have brought him in as a beast. You brought him in a feud with Elias. And then he went downhill Lost to Aleister Black at WrestleMania last year. Paired up with Lana. Did this whole wedding thing with Rusev and Lana and shit. Um, you know. And then he teams, you know, starts going with uh, MVP. And, you know, it kind of refound his career. It kind of was like, all right, this is the Lashley we've always wanted. Even back in when he was here in 2005, this is the Lashley we wanted. Mm-hmm. Shit, dude. If they would have gave me that Lashley years ago, I would have been like, dude, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a Lashley fan. I always liked Lashley back in the day. It's when he went to Impact Wrestling, I wasn't a big fan because I think he lost a lot of momentum when he was in WWE. So I was like, eh, whatever. But watching him back now and watching where he's at as this destructive force of nature, man, like I'm cool with it. And I think uh, they announced last night a triple threat match at a uh, elimination chamber for the United States title, which we see Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee 
versus Bobby Lashley. Um, who do you see winning that match? You there? All right, guys. Justin disappeared for a minute here. Uh, we'll try to get him back. Justin, you there? Hello? Anyway, guys, they, they did announce a triple threat match. We'll get Justin back in here in a minute. Um, they announced Riddle versus Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley. I want to get Justin's opinion when he comes back on. Um, to me, I oh, there you are. There you are. Um, so they announced this triple threat match. Who do you see winning? I am not sure. I think they want to. I think I would say keep it on Lashley. They keep it on Lashley. Or if you want to take it off of him, don't have him take the pinfall because he looks too strong. He looks too strong right now. But I would say I would say keep it on Lashley. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different route here. So I don't think Lashley's gonna take the fall. I don't. But they want to build Lashley as a WWE champion. And I think the way to do it is eventually he's going to lose the United States title. Um, I say let this be it where somebody else takes the pinfall and have either Lee or Riddle win the title. Um, and build Lashley into that main event spot that he right now is on such a hot streak that I think is the time to finally pull the trigger. Do you agree or you disagree? Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say if if they don't have anything planned for him, keep it on him. At least have give him something to like validate him or anything. But if I think it is time, I think it's time to take it off of him. He's he's had it for too long. I think the hurt business is ready to ready to be in that main event level, like you said. But I just fear that these three guys will have nothing to do if not the United States championship with it. Well, I picture this scenario. I picture Riddle winning the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picture MVP taking the title off of Riddle and Lashley taking the title off of Drew and having them all four hold gold. At least if it's not for a long period of time, at least give them the titles for a month. You know, I would like to see the Hurt Business all dripped in gold. I think that would put a bigger stamp on their name than they already have. Um, I'm a big fan of the Hurt Business. I always, always have liked every single one of them. Um, well, three out of the four of them more than anything. Um, Lashley was always a hit and miss for me. But I've always liked MVP. MVP was actually, because I started watching wrestling back in 03, like actually watching it. Um, you know, now throughout, obviously the past shit, how many years has it been? 18 years, past 18 years. I I've obviously caught up on everything from fifties wrestling, sixties wrestling, seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, so I know a lot more than I did back then, but MVP was the first heel besides Mr. Kennedy that I was like, dude, I love these guys. (laughs) And there was always something about MVP. 
people chanted Power Ranger at him, shit like that. And I was like, all right, this is cool, whatever. <laughs> but he had that style, that swagger, that gimmick. Like, and I'm like, dude, I could get behind this guy. Yeah, he's, and uh, he's one of the best United States champions of all time, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, so I think the best way to do it would be get the title on to somebody else, which would be, in my opinion, Riddle, because MVP pinning Matt Riddle is more believable than MVP pinning uh, Keith Lee. So I would say have MVP win the title off of Riddle. And it doesn't have to be in a regular match. He could cheat to to win it for sure. Um, you know, I, I always was a big fan of Shelton. Shelton Benjamin's my fourth favorite wrestler of all time. Oh. Um, you know, I think he's ridiculously underrated. And WWE dropped the ball on him a bunch of times. I thought they should have pulled the trigger when they paired him up with Chad Gable to have them win the tag titles. They didn't. Um, now you got him tag team champions with another guy who's very underrated, who's a fantastic wrestler, one of my favorites of current generation wrestlers, Cedric Alexander. Um, you have them teaming up. You have them having the gold, and I think it's great. You've got time now for Shelton Benjamin on TV again, and this is, I think, the first time he's really been showcased since he returned a couple years back. Yeah. Um. But, no, I think right now I think is a huge, huge opportunity, even if it's not right at WrestleMania but right after. I think in the next couple months is your best opportunity to capitalize on Bobby Lashley winning the WWE Championship. Yeah, the, uh, the clock's ticking for him. So I think, I think if they want to do it, they, they should do it soon. Yeah, I don't, he's, getting, he's getting older for sure. Um, I mean, dude, he's in his prime. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he's having the best time of his career right now. So, um, you know, you went from that match uh, styles to uh, and Hardy to New Day versus Retribution. Um, you know, I love Ali. I, I will never take anything away from Mustafa Ali. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's great on the mic. I think, you know, right now, I think you have him in the best of his career in the WWE. I think he needs to be showcasing his matches more, but he's coming to his own as a personality. But the only thing is, is he he has a bad group behind him. And I'm not saying as far as talent goes, but they honestly have no following. They have no direction. And you put them with them to, to be like, all right, well, maybe Ali being a part of this group, you know, with where he's at, it could, it could make something of it. And it hasn't. I mean, you got Mia Yim in this group. You got Shane Thorne, Dominic Dijakovic. And then you have, and a lot of people don't know who it is, Dio Madden, who used to be Brennan Williams on the independent scene. And, you know, they're all great talents. I think they're all fantastic in the ring. Um, Dio Madden needs to change his finisher a little bit or at least try to get it a little bit easier done. Um, but other than that, man, I, they have a good group of people there. You can work this out to being something better if you give them a direction. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you don't have them being themselves. You have them in stupid masks, and we all know who they are. (laughs) 
You know, if you came out and you brought them in a suit or something like that, like a different outfit where you covered the tattoos and shit like that, and you, you had no clue, okay, I could see it. But the fact that everybody knows who they are, just let them be themselves. Obviously, we all know Reckoning is Mia Yim. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, that match was our, eh, it was, it was, eh. Um, you know, we've seen the New Day obviously get the win, which obviously Retribution, I don't think is ever really going to beat Kofi Kingston. No. Um, Xavier is more believable, but Kofi, I don't think so. Um, unless you do a match any, like, at soon between Kofi and Ali, you're going to have more people already, like, more than already has been bored. You're going to have more people become bored with this whole fucking thing because if you don't give them the match that I think people want to see, Ali versus Kingston, one-on-one, then you're kind of shit out of luck because right now is your best opportunity to capitalize on that because Ali versus Kingston is a match that I think a lot of people want to see happen. Even if they don't think about it, I think after they're hearing this right now, they're going to be like, uh, yeah, yeah, we want to see that because Ali's talented, man. He's great in that ring. <clears throat> and we've seen it before before on 205 Live. And I don't know if you ever watched 205 Live. I don't know if you've seen his matches on there, but they're great matches, man. I mean, the matches he put on with Murphy, the matches he's put on with Cedric, like he's great in that ring. Now is your time to make him a name by beating Kofi Kingston. He's so talented. I mean, like you said, like you said, everybody in Retribution is really talented, but they put this nothing burger in front of them, and it was like, I, I like, I like Mustafa. I think he's, like you said, he's incredibly talented in, in the ring. You know, the mic, he's good, but what he was saying, what he was screaming on commentary just doesn't make any sense to me because Retribution started off as this anti-WWE trying to, you know, like, tear down the company or whatever from the outside. And then they got, then they all got signed to contracts and they got drafted to Raw. So, like, he was screaming about these corporate suits, which you could say Retribution is the same thing. They just don't say, they just scream about not being corporate suits. It kind of didn't make any sense. And... I think if Mustafa and Kofi had a program, you lean into like what happened around two WrestleManias ago when it was supposed like Kofi's spot was supposed to be Mustafa's what was actually Mustafa's spot. I think you lean into that and then you can factor in like like Xavier and the rest of the retribution if you want them st- to still be there, but it is such a BS gimmick and it is – no one cares at this point. I, th- I don't think anyone cares. I think at the start – at the start of Retribution, I was I was a bit intrigued. But then as time went on, it got stale and stupid. I think with Retribution, so in the very beginning when they started showing them um, – I've talked about this before on my show. Um, when they first started, you think about this the first time you've seen them was outside of the performance center and they threw uh, Molotovs at a tower, like a speaker box. And like, we're jumping around like, yeah, we did it. I'm like, 
you know, picture these guys now. Picture Dominic Dijakovic and uh, Dio Madden, at least. These two big guys. You, you really think they're going to be jumping around like, yeah, woohoo? <laughs> no, they don't give a shit, dude. They're destructive. They're not going to throw gla- uh, uh, bottles of fire at a speaker and be like, yeah, take it to the man. Like, they're not going to do that shit. They're going to go fucking flipping cars and beating the shit out of people. Like, you know, when they started coming to the ring and they started beating up people, that was that was what they should have done in the beginning. They yeah. didn't do that. And they should have. And, and you think about it, how many members of Retribution did they show throughout the entirety? There was like 20 guys at one point, and now there's only four or five. Like, it's like, okay, what direction did you have with these guys? Like, were you going to do more people with them? Are you planning on adding more people with them? Like, you know, I, I understood why um, – what's her name left the group, and I can't think of her name right now, Mercedes Martinez. Um, she left the group because she's like, well, I'm way in my career that I don't want this to be the last of me. Yeah. And I don't blame her because they had no direction, and I think she was like, all right, I see where this is going. No, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. I don't blame her. But – um, I did read an article yesterday, which I thought was kind of surprising, which is kind of interesting to me, is they were kind of talking about doing um, a Nexus reunion last year at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about it right now, where they're talking about having Retribution go head-to-head against a couple of the Nexus guys, which would be cool to see Wade Barrett in the ring again. Um, they're talking about Fred Rosser. Uh, possibly coming back to, which if you don't know, Fred Rosser is Darren Young. Um, I think they talked about Michael Tarver coming back too, which a lot of people don't remember Michael Tarver, a part of that group because he wasn't there that long. Um, but they're talking about a couple of these guys coming in and going against them, which I think would be pretty cool to see. I mean, I would, like I said, Wade Barrett was one of those guys to me that should have been world champion right when he came to the main roster and they didn't capitalize on it. Yeah. It was a bummer because easy, easy, man. They could have done that and they could have been like, this is our guy. Let's do it. They didn't. But I mean, I think it'd be a pretty cool feud. I think um, at elimination chamber or fast lane, one of the two have Kofi fight. Um, Ali have them get that done with. And have, if you're going to do the Nexus versus Retribution, you need to build it to WrestleMania. If you don't have a proper build, nobody's going to care. No. Um, you know, you got, I think, Fastlane's like two weeks after um, whatever the hell it's called, Elimination Chamber. I always get confused on these pay-per-views sometimes, but um, they, they have literally not even uh, a decent amount of time. But they need to start building these matches right after Elimination Chamber for WrestleMania because you need a proper build, which they're starting to do right now with Edge and Bianca, but they really don't have any direction for anything else. And if they do Sheamus versus Drew at WrestleMania, this is a perfect time to build that right now. I mean, you capitalize on it so it gives it a proper build like, oh, shit, Sheamus cost Drew another match just like he did last night. 
Um, you know, last night we seen Sheamus um, interject into the match against uh, Orton and Drew, and we seen him cost Drew the match, and then we seen him get Claymored, but we all seen what happened with that. And once you heard Sheamus's music click, you knew that that match was going to end in a disqualification one way or another. But I think right now with how they build this, I think it gives it a chance for a proper, proper uh, WrestleMania build from now until mania to build Sheamus and drew a proper way. It's not too long because it's two months away. So it's not like it's going to be like, overly drawn out because they have chamber coming up. So they have a way for after chamber Seamus to be like, yo, what the hell? Like this was supposed to be my one-on-one match. Then two weeks later you have it to where um, Seamus loses a number one contenders match. Somehow drew defends at fast lane against somebody else. Seamus is pissed and, and people are like, we want this one-on-one. Yeah. And I think mania would be the perfect time because I think right now Sheamus is at, at a prime of his career. Drew's in the prime of his career. I think that would be a hard-hitting match that I didn't think I would ever want to see until they started teasing it. You know, I was never a big fan of Sheamus. Only when Sheamus was with Cesaro was I a fan of Sheamus, really. Um, you know, back when he was in FCW, I was a fan. Back when he was a FCW world champion and um, they call they, they his finishing move was the fiery red hand, and it was like a choke slam backbreaker kind of move, which was cool. Um, he still uses it sometimes, but um, no, I mean, I Seamus right now to me, where he's at, he doesn't have the stupid mohawk anymore, that's over and done with. I think right now, I think people would be like, All right, Seamus is WWE champion again, I'll take it. You know, if you're going to have Drew lose a title at Mania, you should have it against somebody that actually puts could put on a match and still go without a danger of getting hurt. Yeah. Edge right now, I think, against somebody like Drew would be too much for Edge. Uh-huh. Somebody like Roman, I think, would be a little safer. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, that I mean – that was a pretty cool part to watch last night on Raw. Um, like I said, we all knew it was going to happen when uh, Seamus' music hit. You knew it was going to interrupt. Um, we kind of see a little shenanigans again between Lacey Evans and Charlotte, which I'm glad that feud's kind of starting to end. I mean, they kind of hinted at it yesterday, which yeah. I could see Lacey beating Oscar for the championship one way or another. Um, Ric Flair costing the win. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing Charlotte versus Lacey at WrestleMania for the title. I, I think that could be another feud that they build. Because here, here's the thing. i seen them doing Charlotte and Asuka before WrestleMania or Royal Rumble for WrestleMania. And then when uh, Royal Rumble hit, I was like, all right, you know what? I changed my mind. I would rather see Asuka do something different. Um, You know, have her do something more interesting. But... I don't think defending against Charlotte would be a great match at WrestleMania again. I, we've already seen it. It's already happened. Um, you know, if you're going to book Charlotte in a championship match, do it against somebody that we haven't seen her really go head-to-head against, like Lacey Evans. Yeah. yeah. Um, plus, like I said, you got her dad and 
the corner of Lacey Evans. So I think that could be pretty solid. Um, they're hinting at Bad Bunny um, performing at WrestleMania in a match, um, which apparently he's been training at the Performance Center, which I think is kind of interesting. And um, if he can actually wrestle, like, you know, we've seen uh, Pat McAfee, which people were a lot of surprised by um, with what he was doing in the ring. People were like, yo, dude, okay, I- I'll watch this again. Like, you know, people people were surprised. If Bad Bunny could give us a, a, a thing where people are like, yo, shit, no way. Okay, cool. Like, I won't complain. You're not taking much away from me then at that point. Um, I would like to see The Miz try to cash in at Mania if this is the point where they're going to. Um, for the tag, like a tag team match between Damian Priest and Bad Bunny versus Miz and Morrison. I would like to see, obviously, Miz and Morrison would lose that match. I don't see them winning. But I would think it would be a cool direction if Miz ended up cashing in the championship, much like how Seth Rollins did a couple wow. years back when he lost his match against Orton and then cashed in to win the championship. You know, I think that'd be pretty solid for Miz, especially because he lost to a celebrity. But he's like, I got the last laugh. I've been I've waiting been on waiting Miz to... Too get a top belt since 2016 i think i've been i've been since we were talking about this like talking about all the options for champions i think they could put it on Miz for a for a bit but then you have all of these guys that could possibly be world champion which i think is such a it's such a new concept to me that it's that it's really intriguing and it's it's really exciting because for the time of me watching wrestling, it, there haven't been the, that many top guys that you could say win the cha- could win the championship on any night. But right now you have all of these guys, and I think Miz is definitely one of these guys. And unfortunately, I don't. I see him cashing in. I just don't see him winning, which is a shame because I. He is one of my favorites of all time and right now. Like, he's so talented, and I think he he doesn't get he doesn't get as much due as he should get. But I don't see him uh, winning. I don't see him winning. The only reason I don't see him winning is because they've turned him into such of a joke. Yeah. Um. Now the only reason I do see him winning is to finally give him the match against John Morrison and have Morrison actually become world champion. Because here's the thing, same thing like Shelton Benjamin, Morrison had so much talent and they've turned him into such a joke since he's returned because you know what? They actually had something going when they won the tag team titles, but after they lost it and they started doing this whole thing with Braun Strowman, um, you know, the whole comedy act, you know, yeah, it was funny, but you completely went from being tag champions to, to showcasing what you're capable of to, to showing people that you are the Miz and you are awesome. Because when Miz won the Intercontinental Championship a couple years ago, after he beat Zack Ryder after WrestleMania, um, you know, and he made the IC title prestigious again, I think – he had so much momentum going that, like you said, 
He could have been top champion again at that time. You could have gave him a title shot. You could have gave him the championship because he was on a high. And that was the best point of his career. And literally, you made him go from that to teaming with um, the Miz-Taraj to teaming with Shane McMahon. Then to be like back and forth, face turn, heel turn, you know, whatever. You have him going against the New Day, losing, becoming a little crybaby. And then John Morrison comes back and you're like, no shit, Miz and Morrison, I'm in. And then they won the tag titles just to lose them in a, a singles triple threat match, which was so stupid. But I understand why they did it that way. Yeah. You know, you had injury. But the thing was, is I, you, you lost all the momentum on Miz and Morrison. I think if you give Miz a championship again and you let him cash in, depending on who he's cashing in, if you let him win the title. And I was reading something today about how somebody was saying they, they would be bittersweet if how last night when Edge came out and dissed the Miz and everything like that and said, like, yo, you can't step up. It would be funny to see Edge win and Miz cash in on uh, uh, Edge to win the championship. Like, now who's got it? Now I want to see that. I think it'd be cool. I, you know, as long as they don't take Morrison away from Miz, so it could happen where John Morrison fights the Miz for the championship. I think that could work so well. Even, you know, it doesn't matter which championship he cashes in on. As long as he cashes in on edge, I think would be bittersweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we've seen Angel Garza, which I thought they were starting to build, um, you know, something good with him for a little bit. And then he disappeared and he was supposed to be in the Royal Rumble and then they kicked him out of it. Like, so it was weird. But we've seen him against Damian Priest. And all I, all I know is Damian Priest obviously was going to be Angel Garza because Damian Priest, ever since the ending of his NXT career, was on such a high. I don't see him losing, especially if they have Bad Bunny in his corner. Um, you know, I don't see him losing anytime soon because right now Bad Bunny is one of the hottest um, merchandise sales for WWE, which he's not even a wrestler. So it's kind of funny to watch that. But, um I don't see Damian Priest losing anytime soon with this momentum. Um, we've seen uh, the Riddle-Lee match that we talked about already today. Um, we've seen a, a tables match between Nia Jax and Lana, which I don't know if you heard everything going on around Nia Jax today. Um, but she went for, for the people that don't know what we're talking about. Uh, she went for a leg drop on the apron. And ended up sitting down on her ass really hard. Um, and she got off the apron, flipped the table, and literally after that shouted, oh, my hole. <laughs> and there has been memes going on about this all day. There has been jokes about it all day. People are like, yo, dude, I can't wait for my whole t-shirts. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's hilarious. And then I was like. When I, because I didn't even catch that part. Like, I didn't even catch her say that. Like, I wasn't paying attention that far into detail. I was just like, y'all, dude, Lana's about to win. And then when people started talking about it, I was like, did she really? And I rewatched it. I'm like, dude, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's great. That's brilliant. Like, who knew Nia Jax could be funny, you know? And she wasn't purposely doing that, you know? 
But Naya has been on kind of a kick lately too with some of the uh, lines she's been dropping. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Shayna Baszler said something about how like she was going to put the whoever she was fighting's front in her back and her back in her front. And Naya's like, so you're going to put boobs on her back? Like I was like, that's hilarious. Like Naya's just like so straightforward and doesn't fucking care what she says. And I'm surprised she hasn't gotten in trouble for saying these things because it's PG. And you, I didn't think saying boobs on TV would be something they would do again. I mean, not thinking boobs is such a bad word, but obviously they wouldn't say boobs on TV. But Naya's like, I don't fucking care. I'm Naya Jax. Um, but we did see Lana win that match. It was actually kind of a surprise. Um, and then they had an improv match after that with Naomi and Shayna. And, you know, I kind of got bored of Naomi for a long time. Um, watching her back right now, coming out at Russell, uh, Ro- I keep getting WrestleMania and Royal Rumble confused. Um, watching her come out at Royal Rumble, I was like, all right, cool. I haven't seen her in a while. I'm cool with this. Like, you know, she's not getting pushed down my throat as much anymore. Um, you know, with Naomi, it's the same thing that they do to certain people that become champions. Like, when people want it, they don't capitalize on it. But when they don't want it is when you do it and then you push them down their throats. And I think back when Naomi was fighting Paige and stuff like that for the title, I think those were your moments you should have capitalized on it and you didn't. But... Um, no, I mean, pretty solid card for Raw last night, except to me, the retribution shit. I, I get tired of watching them. I get, you know, as much as I like New Day, I get kind of tired of their shit too. So watching that together just didn't sit right with me. I would, uh, you, you, where was Shelton Benjamin and Cedric last night? You know, there was so much undercard that you could have used on last night's show that you were like, eh, fuck it. I mean, Braun Strowman was at Royal Rumble, and we haven't seen him since. Thank God. Thank God we haven't seen him? I, thank God we haven't seen that. I am so <laughs> tired of Braun Strowman. I feel that, man. And I've said that on my one of my podcasts, too. I'm like, Braun Strowman, when he first came out with the sheet mask and stuff, cool. Even right after he broke away from the Wyatts, but you've been pushing them down our throats, and when we wanted it, you didn't give it to them. And now people are like, eh, get these hands. Nobody wants them. You know? I think all of all of the – everything that he does is, just seems so forced and inauthentic. Like the, like the get these hands and the I, – I hate when he goes outside of the ring and he, and he starts running. He starts running these people over. It's such such a dumb move, and it doesn't make any sense how how over it was. Like he's six foot eight or ten, nearly four hundred yeah. pounds running. He isn't that fast. You can see him coming, and it I it just seemed inauthentic. Everything just didn't make any sense. Him yeah. playing the big the big base, him winning the championships with a ten year old kid. Nothing he does make any makes any sense and i just i I just can't let's just say nicholas who his tag team partner was (laughs) was more over than braun Strowman. (laughs) um but it's funny because that's one title i'll never purchase is the raw (laughs) smackdown raw tag team titles just for that purpose 
Like, I've got the SmackDown ones, and eventually I might have to get the Raw one just because I got the SmackDown one. But it's like, that'll be the last title I get because I'm like, yo, dude, you had a 10-year-old child beat Sheamus and Cesaro for the tag team titles. Like, you had so much more you could have done. Like, you could have... There was so many rumors going around, like, Braun Strowman's going to fight with Bray Wyatt for the tag title stuff. Like, and people were like, yeah, dude, I'll take it. Like, that's fine. And you're like, you, kid, come on. <laughs> and then he's like, he tags the kid in. The kid comes in the ring, and the kid's like this. And he's, like, scared. And he turns around, tags Strowman back in. Like, Strowman just needed to tag the kid, and he was better. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is the dumbest shit, man. And then they announced it the night after. They're like, yeah, Braun Strowman has to vacate because the kid has school, so he can't be here. Like, I was like, this is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. And I've seen fucking Mae Young give birth to a hand. So, I mean, <laughs> shit, dude. Like, wrestling does so much shit. And it's funny because, you know, I understand why they had the kid in that match or why he was there anyway. Because it was uh, one of the ref's kids. Yeah. So, you know, cool moment everything for the kid you know the kid gets to go to school and be like yeah i was tag team champions yeah. i didn't even have to wrestle everybody you know? from that except for the whole raw tag division which they killed in that one match they they did absolutely <laughs> um and then they kind of rebuild it a little bit but now it's like they really don't have direction again like you know, right now you have Shelton and Cedric as tag champions. You have so much opportunity to, to have them feud against good teams. Where where the fuck is Miz and Morrison in the tag team division? You, you literally have a great tag team. They're the best tag team in the 21st century. Like, dude, give them the goal. Give them the championship again. They They, they work well together. They gel well together. You've done nothing but make them a joke. Shit, dude, make Riddle and Keith Lee a tag team. Give them the gold. I mean, dude, I would see it. I'd watch it. A powerhouse and a fucking kick-ass dude. Like, you know, I love Riddle. I think he's fucking funny. Like, um, I I, I still go back to the the, uh, promo backstage he had with MVP uh, a month or two ago, and he was talking about all these – ideas he had and uh he kept calling mvp bro and mvp's like first off you're not my bro and riddle's like oh <laughs> like he said oh dude i was like dead i'm like dude really oh he's like yeah <laughs> you know it, it was the best and, and watching riddle man do his thing uh, last night like i said i think that to me was match of the night riddle versus keith lee um you know great solid hard-hitting match bobby lashley coming out doing his thing but you know, like you said, I mean, the tag, tag division went to shit. And, you know, you don't really have credible champions anymore. I mean, Ziggler and Rude won the tag titles uh, almost a month ago, I want to say. And then last week was the first time they've been on TV since they won the titles. Uh, and you take the titles from the Street Profits, who were on cloud nine, in my my opinion – the Street Profits, your best tag tag team in both divisions. You know, their chemistry is great. Everything about them is great. You could easily have Cedric and Shelton as tag team champions on Raw. 
or Miz and Morrison as tag team champions on Raw and build their division around them. And you could take the titles off uh, Ziggler and Rude, who I'm cool with them being champions if you're going to do something with them. Because I think their characters gel well together. Um, You know, the show off and the it factor, like, you know, both of them together. Like, I think it's great. I think they're cool. I didn't know I would want them until they started becoming a thing. Um, When they first won the Raw Tag Titles last year after um, uh, they fought, what was it, Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins and they won the titles. I was like, all right, this is cool. I, I didn't think I would want them until they did that gauntlet match and they showcased what they can do together. Uh, the Spinebuster zigzag combo that they have is pretty sick. I don't think it's as cool as the Claymore zigzag. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, shit, you have so much potential you could have done with your tag division. And I think that's I, I've, tag team wrestling to me is my number one. I, I love tag team wrestling. I think it's great. Um, you know, I've talked about on my show before the acclaimed from AEW is one of my hottest favorite tag teams right now. Um, you know, I love the street profits. I got one of their t-shirts coming in the mail sometime this week. Um, I actually just got the acclaims t-shirt yesterday. Um, which anybody listening, go to pro and check their <laughs> shirt out. Pretty solid, cool shirt. Um, but yeah, no, man, I mean, those, those teams too. Um, you know, I, I was telling somebody on my podcast the other day, my favorite all time tag team. And I don't know if you remember them, but it's Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Um, you know, I think Paul London and Brian Kendrick had such great chemistry in that ring and people always go to their go-to tag teams like the Hardys or Edge and Christian, but I pulled the wild card out and I love Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Um, you know, Motor City Machine Guns are tied close to actually um, as my favorite. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, you know, the motor city, right? Yeah. And you know, London and Kendrick. Mm-hmm. So um, it's funny. Cause last January I met Alex Shelley at a black label pro wrestling event in crown point, Indiana. And it was funny because I was in line for the bathroom and he came out of the bathroom and I was like, yeah, dude, can I get a picture with you? I know you were just in the bathroom, but, and we talked for a little bit and I said, dude, not going to lie. You guys are tied for my favorite tag team of all time. I said, you know, Paul London and Brian Kendrick are right there. And he's like, funny story is we were actually supposed to have a match with them at an independent show one time. And he said something happened where I forgot what he said, but one of them had to pull out or something. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks because I would have loved to see that match. You know, my two favorite tag teams head to head. And it's funny because I tell people this all the time. Kurt Angle, in my opinion, is by far the best professional wrestler ever to step foot in a ring. And he's not even in my top five professional wrestlers. And that's just my opinion. Here's, Here's the deal. Alex Shelley is so damn talented that he should be one of my favorites favorites like in my top five he's not chris saban and paul london are tied for number three of my all-time favorite professional wrestlers and it's just kind of funny to watch that their tag team partners brian kendrick and alex shelley are two of the hardest workers in all of professional wrestlers and and if you think about it they've had so much in their career go on and, and 
if you don't know independent wrestling at all, you're not going to know who these guys are. Brian Kendrick, maybe a little bit more because he's wrestled on WWE, but a lot of people don't know who they are. And Alex Shelley has wrestled all around the world, New Japan, Mexico, whatever, like, and he's owned his craft. Alex Shelley, I think, in my opinion, is one of the best all, all around professional wrestlers. And, and I think that's what made them a great team. But with tag teams now, I mean, it's so hard because they just throw people together. And 90% of the time, it does not work out. Um, they threw – that's the funny part about the Acclaimed is they threw Max Caster and Anthony Bowens together because they had – like they were like, well, you guys are here week in, week out. Let's put you together, see what you could do. And it works. But – so many teams that they do that to, like Otis and Chad Gable, they threw together, and I don't see it working. And, and you threw Shelton Benjamin with Chad Gable, and it did work. But you literally did not give them an opportunity to shine. You let them win the championships, and the referee then came out and was like, uh, no, legal man wasn't the one that took the pin. And then you made them lose, and that was it. Like I was like, okay, well, that kind of was shit because literally you had every opportunity to take um, Shelton Benjamin, who was part of the world's greatest tag team with Charlie Haas, who one of the best tag teams of the 2000s, in my opinion, um, and one of the best teams in Alpha, uh, American Alpha in the 2010s, which Jordan, uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, and you mixed both of them. You took, the, in my opinion, the more talented out of both teams and had something that could have been magical. Because technically-wise, Jason Jordan and um, Charlie Haas, great wrestlers. Yeah. They just did not have the charisma or, or the, the – um, like the look that they would have been like, all right, let's do it. I mean, I didn't think Shelton Benjamin would ever be a breakout star until he got drafted to raw and fought Chris Benoit on his first night or not Benoit, uh, triple H when Benoit came out and distracted triple H cause he was chasing flair around and Benjamin ended up getting the win. And that is one of my go-to on my YouTube. Like I literally go on YouTube and I Google search that one. Sometimes I'm like Shelton Benjamin beats triple H. I'm like, dude, this was one of the best <laughs> nights. I remember sitting at the edge of my bed watching this match, and when Shelton won, I was like, dude, hell yeah. Hell yeah, this dude's going to be a star. And ended up becoming Intercontinental Champion, ended up becoming United States Champion, um, you know, gold standard. Dude, he had it. Shelton Benjamin was great. And I, I hate what they're doing to Chad Gable right now with putting him with Otis because, let's put it this way, Otis might have charisma – but Chad Gable can wrestle. If you're not going to do anything with them, let him go. Let him go. Because I would love to see Chad Gable on my television more often. And if you're not going to do shit with him, let him go. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's tag teams out there that need a great partner. And Chad Gable is a great tag team wrestler. But, you know. I, I went a little off topic there for a little bit, but no, you're, you're, you were absolutely right when you said that the tag team division after that went to shit. It really did. Um, you know, I, that's a lot to say about a lot of wrestling. 
to be honest with you. Um, you know, either you love it or hate it. And like I said, I've been a fan of it uh, a big portion of my life. Um, you know, um, my friend Alex, I remember in fourth grade was like, dude, you should check this shit out. Wrestling's the coolest. Like I was like, all right, cool. And I checked it out, man. And I was like the first match I ever watched. Um, and I remember this, like it was yesterday. It was Booker T versus Christian for the intercontinental championship, uh, bad blood, 2003 and, uh, solid match, man. It was so good. And I remember rewinding the beginning of this match and at the same card, they are same show. They had Goldberg versus Jericho, uh, triple H versus Kevin Nash and a hell in a cell match. Um, you know, they had some, some solid matches going on. Um, you know, people, names people don't even remember. Like, um, opening card was the Dudley Boys versus Rodney Mack and Chris Nowitzki. And I don't know if you remember Rodney Mack or Chris Nowitzki at all, but uh, Chris Nowitzki, for people that don't remember, was the Harvard graduate of WWE. And uh, Rodney Mack was just a badass powerhouse. And, uh, you know, they had something there until Chris Nowitzki ended up with a concussion. Then they're like, yeah, you're gone. Um, but yeah, no, best, best card, man, that I had ever watched was that, that night because it was the first night I ever watched wrestling. Um, you know, and watching it back then, watching teams get formed back then, just randomly, um, you know, they had teams like they formed randomly, like Booker T and Rob Van Dam, you know, they won the tag titles for, I think a month and a half or two months, but that was a team that people didn't think that they'd want until it happened. And then people were like, dude, this is a cool team, you know, but you know, it, it happens, man. All the wrestling changes so, so often. And like I said, I've been a fan of it for a very long time, but you watch it now and people talk about like, yo, which division do you think is the best? Which women's division do you think is the best or tag division? Do you think is the best? And it's hard to choose because literally they change it so often, and right now AEW doesn't focus on their women's division. And, and people ask like questions all the time: Who's the best women's division? Uh, in my opinion, it's all of NXT, NXT's main, and NXT UK. They got the best women's division. Tag team division hard to find. World heavyweight division hard to find because they don't have consistency like they used to. You know, you have so many names on cards that you don't showcase. And even back in the, the early, early 2000s, late 90s, um, they they showcased guys like Funaki and stuff like that. And they weren't used all the time, but they still did stuff with them. Even if it was letting them job matches, they still showed them. Now, week in, week out, you still have the same people doing the same things over and over again. And it's just, it's sad to watch, but you know, 2021 just started. And I think with wrestling as a whole right now in 2021, so far so good, but, um, you know, I don't know if you watch impact wrestling at all. Do you? Um, so they have random stuff going on there too, right now. So, um, Matt Cardona, who, if you don't know who Matt Cordona is, um, for the people that are listening, is WWE's former Zack Ryder. Um, he's in a feud against um, his former tag team partner in a, a, a little bit of a ways. Um, 
Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins. Um, you know, and they're going into a tag team match at the next pay-per-view, which I believe is this weekend. Um, you know, you have Brian Myers teaming with Hernandez from former LAX. Um, and then you have Matt Cordona teaming with Another wrestler who I think is ridiculously gifted, and if you've never watched him, check him out, uh, Josh Alexander. Um, great wrestler, great great potential. Like, dude has a bright future ahead of him, even though he's been wrestling for quite some time. Um, you know, I think the sky's the limit for Josh Alexander. Um, you know, but they, they they do so much random shit, man. Like, they, they have them as friends, but then they don't have them as friends. Like, wrestling's just interesting to watch as a whole, always. Um, yeah. And that, that's why I love talking about it. This podcast has always been a, a cool thing for me, even though it's just more new and uh, being able to talk about the shit with people, because I like, I like listening to like what you guys have to say too, like, you know, what you imagine and like what you said is, you know, when you said that the tag division went to shit after the whole Nick list thing, I mean, hearing those opinions, man, it's cool because you get to elaborate on that. Um, you know, and I think I think wrestling is starting to get back to where it could be. Um, you know, a lot of people tell me all the time, like, AEW is so cool because of this. And, um, you know, I've said it numerous times, AEW is one of those things that I, I just can't get into. Um, I mean, are you a fan of AEW? I, I try to. There's so many guys, like, Chris Jericho is my favorite wrestler ever. Matt Hardy's great. They have so many guys there but i think they they started off on such an odd note uh it's weird because i never would have thought i would have agreed with jim Cornette on so much things how there there's really no structure to the matches and like seeing how they react to someone like jim ross when they criticize him because i don't know if you heard what jim ross said about the uh the matches there that they all a bunch of idiots just get outside of the ring and wait for another idiot to jump on top of them. And they don't, they, they don't take that criticism and make the product better. They repost it on Twitter, make fun of it, and then keep doing the same stupid, stupid moves. And it, I think they have potential to be good. I think they have, I think they're good now. I think they have potential to be better, but it is just so, if every if every match on your card is a five star classic, then none of your matches are five star classics. I think that if if all of your matches are going twenty minutes, three commercial breaks, they're kicking out of every move. What is the point? What what is actually going to beat someone? And I think that's which is probably the the old the old man in me talking, but they don't sell. They don't. You don't really feel anything. It's not. I think uh, they're more of the. I think I, I like to call them the cardio show. It's the cardio because that's that's all they really do is just cardio. But uh, I think <laughs> I think it'll it'll get better. I hope it'll get better. I just one thing that really turned me off about it before, like even watching it, is just hearing everyone say how this person's got to go to AEW when someone's contract is almost up in WWE that they've got to go to AEW that I heard uh, the Good Brothers, when they when they got released, people were saying they got to go to AEW. And I was just thinking, 
it would make more sense to them to go to Impact or go back to New Japan before they hit yeah. AEW to me. And if no one no one wants AEW to be the next WCW, but if you keep wanting these ex WWE guys to be in AEW, it'll just be WCW, and they won't grow new talent because they have so many people, and it's crazy to see that they have so many people. And they have so many of these people that you don't know. And they have this women's women's division that you that you really don't know about. But if you just keep taking guys from WWE like like Rusev or or an Evan Bourne or think people that are primarily known from WWE, then your product is just gonna be WWE light. Fair point, fair point. I mean, that's what, if you really think about it, I mean, that's the route um, TNA went, is they started hiring former WWE people, and TNA went to shit after a while. And I think, you know, TNA was talked about, talked about, talked about, and then boom, gone. And then I think up until last year, um, I think it was their Slammiversary pay-per-view, when they were hyping it, is when they really started getting a name back for themselves. And now, even though they're using former WWE talent, they're utilizing them better than WWE did. AEW does this, but really think about AEW, and I'm not trying to talk shit about them because there are guys on their roster that I enjoy watching. Um, You know, like I pointed out before on my shows, uh, Trent Beretta, who's part of Best Friends, is one of the best wrestlers I've seen in the ring. Um, That dude's ridiculously talented. And TNA has, or not TNA, AEW has so much. See, there we go. I think AEW is TNA. (laughs) Um, It has so much potential. But like you said, is they don't sell. And there's no real structure. I mean, you you think about it this way. Their four fronts of AEW is Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. And until Cody Rhodes lost the title to Darby Allin a couple months ago, Kenny Omega has been world champion now. He was tag team champions. The Young Bucks tag team champions. Cody Rhodes, two-time TNT champion. Like, you know, you're showcasing your executive vice presidents instead of showcasing these guys who need to be showcased. You showcase them through AEW Dark, which is on YouTube, which not everybody is going to sit there for two hours on YouTube watching these videos. I'm sorry, unless unless you really want to have – something and go through your apps and watch it on there. Like you're not going to get the best clarity from it. And and I'm sorry, but you want to do something like that. Then you need a performance show like NXT is where it used to be. And you could showcase your younger talent better, but all AEW dark is, is jobbers versus people that they don't want to win on AEW dynamite that they want to win. So they put them on AEW Dark, and they're like, all right, so we don't want you to win on Dynamite, but we're going to have you win on Dark against guys that we don't want to win. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote nightmare family, which is Cody Rhodes's faction or whatever the hell it is, adds more people all the damn time. And, <laughs> and for what purpose? Like, just let them be their own person and let them win a match. Like, Aaron Solo. They just announced him, which uh, a lot of people don't know, but Aaron Solo is actually with 
uh, in a relationship right now with Bailey from WWE. And a lot of people don't know, know that. Um, but it's funny to me because Aaron Solo is a talented wrestler and I've watched some of his stuff on the independents and stuff like that. But AEW Dark, they're like, all right, Aaron, we're going to have you come on, but we're going to have you lose every single match. But all of a sudden, we're going to tweet on Twitter um, saying you're a part of the night- Nightmare family now. And I'm like, but why? Like, you, you, you keep adding people to the Nightmare family. Like, you added Lee Johnson to the Nightmare family. But we really haven't seen anything from Lee Johnson. You don't really show Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall as much. You know, I'm sorry, but Cody's the only one that gets showcased in the Nightmare family. And he's on a television show, too, now. Like, it's it, it just, it's crazy. I mean, AEW, yeah, people people uh, talk about how cool it is and stuff like that. And granted, AEW does put on good matches sometimes that don't overdo it. Um, but the first match I ever really watched from AEW, and I'll never forget this, and I, I sat there watching it like, are you fucking serious? Um, it was a six-man tag. It was Pac, Pentagon, and uh, Ray Phoenix versus the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And it was, I think, their one of their sh- uh, cruise shows that they did. And literally, there was, like, super kicks getting thrown. And literally in five seconds, five seconds, they got right back up and acted like they didn't just get kicked in the face. I'm sorry, but Shawn Michaels made that move into a, a, a cool thing with the super kick. And you really were like, hey, fuck you. Like, so I don't get it, man. It was weird to me because you literally had these guys who are talented on the independence, who could sell on the independence, but you bring them to AEW, you do these things where you're like, all right, well, we're not going to script much, but we're going to still let you guys do your own things. And they're like, hey, so uh, I'm going to super kick you in the face, and then I'm going to go for my finisher in five seconds. I want you to come in the ring and break this up. It's it's stupid. Or not break or not break it up. Just kick out at one, and then <laughs> the kicking out at one is great because I don't I don't see how people see Kenny Omega kick out at one and say, oh my god, yes, yes, he kicked out at one. Yes, he has so much fire in him. And I'm like, he just took three Canadian destroyers, two super kicks, and a Meltzer driver, and he kicked out at one. Come on. Uh, it's so stupid. I mean, I don't know, dude. I'm hoping AEW this year at some point gets their shit together because I would love to watch another wrestling product and actually enjoy it. But yeah. I, I, I mentioned this on, on a show um, with the same guy that pointed out, um, you know, about Matt Hardy with the, the golf cart. Um, I mentioned this. AEW, if they focused on their shit instead of talking shit about WWE – and just focused on their product, I think AEW could be something cool. But the fact that you week in, week out, have some kind of a throw or some kind of punchline at uh, your competitor's product is, is a joke. It's a joke. You literally make fun of other products instead of becoming your own. You know, Rusev made a comment on last Wednesday's um, Dynamite um, talking about the outfit he was wearing. He's like, yeah, I wore this at a different wedding about a year or so ago. And he was talking about the Lana and uh, Bobby Lashley wedding. When he came out of the cake, he wore the same exact outfit. 
And I'm like, why do you got to throw in, you know, puns and punches and shit at other other things? Like, literally be your own product. Don't do that shit. Because when TNA first started, they didn't make throws at WWE. They were their own thing. And even if they dragged guys like Christian from WWE to TNA and became a bigger star, Christian was like, you know, I'm doing my thing. But he wasn't knocking a different product. He was doing his thing inside of a different ring. And I think that's where people liked TNA is because they didn't knock product. They did their own thing. And they made new stars. You know, people now, you know, wrestling fans know who LAX is, the original LAX. They know who Motor City Machine Guns is. They know who Bear Money Inc. is or America's Most Wanted. Uh, you know, they, they know these teams or, um, you know, they know who AJ Styles was or Christopher Daniels. You know, they know these guys because that's where they made a name for themselves. You know, there would be no AJ Styles if TNA did not exist. And I'm sorry, and, and it's funny because Gregory Helms said that he tried to get WWE to sign AJ Styles because he knew how great of a performer he was when he was in WCW for that short amount of time. And he came to TNA. He beat Jeff Jarrett for the, the NWA World Championship. He became first ever X Division champion. You know, he, he, he didn't get coined the phenomenal one for no reason at all. You know, he was ridiculously talented. But TNA, like I said, focused on being a product instead of knocking other things. And I think that's where AEW is missing a lot of their their potential. Um, you know, I, I was laughing because I was thinking the reason AEW beats NXT in ratings, and this is my honest to God opinion, is because people get so tired of, WWE's product sometimes because they do the same shit and they don't change it up. So watching something different like AEW than watching NXT live is what some people are wanting to do. And yeah. I'm sorry to me, but I, as a fan, as an actual wrestling fan, NXT puts on better matches and, and does a whole better show than AEW does. And it's because of the fact that AEW does not sell. They don't, they, they don't script. They don't do any of it. And, and it's funny to me because what the fuck is Miro doing in AEW right now that he wasn't doing in WWE? He's more of a lackey right now <laughs> than he was ever in WWE. And you literally were like, I just don't want to be here because I'm not getting used properly. You go to AEW, you knock WWE's product, but you're the best man. And now the wedding's over. What are you going to do? You know, his trunks say best man across them. You can't be the best man anymore. The wedding's over. So it's just, I mean, to me, it's funny because these guys – they, they, they bitch and complain why WWE, they didn't like it because of certain things. But what are they really doing in other other places? I mean, John Moxley, 
was AEW world champion for a little bit, loses it to Omega, and I don't see him getting the championship back anytime soon at least. And in New Japan, he's United States champion. In WWE, a month before he left, he was Intercontinental champion. So you're a mid-card champion somewhere else? I'm sorry, because you want to cut your own promos and curse? That's why you wanted to leave? Like, but look at WWE. Now WWE's doing shit where they're saying things that you wouldn't think that they're saying, like Nia Jax last night with the whole my whole thing. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It, it really is. I mean, it, it, it's interesting to watch AEW because I, I see they're going in a direction of a WCW and not saying that it's a bad thing because WCW is awesome. Um but you don't want to be a has-been show. You want to be something new. And I think that's why a lot of people enjoyed watching um, Lucha Underground and stuff like that is because it was different. It was different. It was unique. It was cool. It was something new. Um, you know, I watch a lot of MLW Fusion on YouTube here and there. Like, you know, that's a cool show to watch. Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of wrestling online and it, wrestling as a whole is so different now than it used to be. But I want AEW to change up and it's, it's still really early and you have so much time that you could change your product before it gets to be too late to make it into something, not of a has been show, but a must see television event. And like I said, the only reason I think people watch AEW more than NXT live is because people get tired of the same product. So because AEW is a different name and a different product, people tune into that live instead of watching NXT. But it's not to say those people don't go back afterwards and watch NXT because I guarantee you they do. But the people that watch NXT first, I guarantee you they don't watch AEW. I guarantee you. And it's sad to say that because AEW could be cool. But like I said, like you said, it, it's so far going into a has-been show. And, and I don't want to see that happen because, like I said, you got so much potential. You got the acclaimed on there. You've got top flight on there. Your tag team vision right now could shine so fucking bright. But here's the thing. You're putting Chris Jericho with MJF. And having them fight for the tag team titles when in your inner circle, you have Ortiz and Santana, who used to be LAX's new version and Impact Wrestling, who are great talents and who are an actual tag team. You could easily have them win that match and have them fight the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. But instead, you're like Jericho and MVP, or, uh, MJF. You guys thinking about teaming together because we could put you in the tag team match. Fuck all the tag teams. We can throw you guys together and hope for the best. And they're like, oh, more gold for us? Sure. I mean, dude, Jericho was champion for over a year or almost a year or something. And, you know, he's so far had the best career in all of AEW. But why aren't you showcasing MJF as a singles star? You know, you have so much potential with MJF to be something bigger 
as a solo than a tag team. But they'd rather focus on their Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, and Cody Rhodes than, you know, their other talent. You had every way, every reason to drop the titles from the Young Bucks to your hottest rising tag team in the acclaimed a couple uh, a month ago, a month or so ago, and you didn't. Why? Because it's the Young Bucks? You know, I don't know, man. It's it's a lot, you know. People, I, I don't think people, people don't notice how much AEW is like WWE. And if they don't notice it now, they will notice it sooner or later. Like, they're all just the same. They can, they can get up and, and have this entrance with thousands of dollars worth of pyro, thousands of fans around them, and they can do the same things as WWE, but they can say they aren't WWE, but it's, you notice it, you notice it, they're one and the same. You can only, you can only try to have that rebel label for so long until it's, until it's, okay guys, but what about, but what about Miro? What is he doing? that he wasn't doing on WWE TV or anybody else that made the jump. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's what I was trying to point out too, is like, you know, exactly that. What, what is Miro doing that he wasn't doing? I mean, at literally a couple months in his main roster career, he became United States champion. A couple months in his AEW career, he's a best man at a wedding. I, you know, John Moxley went almost a while before winning a championship, but within a month of being on the main roster, two months, he became United States champion. I mean, I'm sorry, but because you didn't get the microphone and could say, fuck this company, you know, <laughs> you're bitching and crying. And WWE was giving you more of an opportunity to be something on TV every single week and wrestle. Instead of just cutting promos every week. I mean, the last month, John Moxley's only been coming out and he's like, Kenny Omega, I'm coming for you in that title. And then he comes out and drops him with a double arm DDT and then calls it a day. Oh, I'm sorry. He shakes his head and shoulders like, dude, <laughs> chill out. You know, go drop F-bombs somewhere else. You know, I well, give me more of Team Tez. Give me more of Ricky Starks and Brian Cage and... Um, Will Hobbs, give me them. I'll watch them more often. Right now, what are you doing with them? You're you're doing a, a thing with Sting and Darby Allen or Baby Sting. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, Darby Allen's cool, but he's like if Sting and Jeff Hardy had a love child. You know, it, it's just a lie, man. I mean. I keep trying to give AEW a chance. I keep trying to give it a chance to shine. You know, I still catch the glimpses of it. Like uh, today, it's funny because uh, the Acclaim dropped a new new song. And uh, you got to check it out. Anybody listening needs to check it out. The Acclaim's fucking cool as hell, man. Um, but they dissed Jericho and MJF for the song that they had a month ago. While they were eating dinner, you know, they did this stupid song about being friends and shit. 
And I'm like, yeah, we already did Jericho with the best friend thing with Kevin Owens, like the, the friendship festival or the festival of friendship or whatever, you know, we already seen this. Now you're doing the same thing with him and MJF, two heels being best friends. And what's going to happen? MJF's going to be like, fuck you and turn on him. Okay, cool. <laughs> you have the young star turning on the bigger star. Like, you know, it, wrestling is just a lot sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, nah, man, I mean, it was cool to have you on again. I hope we could do this again eventually. Um, you know, pleasure always. Um but yeah, no, I'm I'm working on this new shit, you know, this is my first video podcast. I got a um instrumental intro coming out soon, hopefully. Uh, working on a new Instagram. Uh we'll get to TikTok eventually too, YouTube channel nice. coming out soon too. So uh hopefully we can have you a bit, you know, on this journey a little bit here and there and uh talk more wrestling. Hopefully, hopefully uh the next couple times you come in here AEW starts to get a little better. <laughs> But uh, pleasure having you again, Justin, like always, man. Um, Everybody, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, We'll catch you guys next time.